0: Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. And my name's Andrew Murray. Um, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to the show, they run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m. And we talk about a wide range of topics related to health, alternative health, and uncovering some of the lies, uh, and that's part of this evening's uh, program. Um, I can be reached uh, business hours Monday through Friday, uh, one eight 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 WBM Herb, and uh, if people have any questions that we don't get around to uh, having live on the air, which we do from seven thirty until the end of the show, uh, the questions can either be posted to me at Andrew at WesternBotanicalMedicine dot com, uh, or you can uh, go ahead and call up and leave a voicemail if you don't find a person answering. So, uh, like I said, it's a live show, and from seven thirty to eight o'clock. Um, We have questions uh, either related to this month's subject of more misconceptions, lies, education and re-education. And if people have uh, other questions for Dr. Pete about health topics or about substances or protocols, etc., the number here, if you're outside the area, the area code is 707 923 so 707-923-2513 there is an 800 number It's 800-568-3723 800-568-3723 and we'll be taking calls from uh, 7.30 to 8 o'clock so this month I wanted to uh, go over subjects some of which we have covered for sure uh, but I can't emphasize enough the indoctrination uh, that definitely myself has been through uh, in uh, a medical education and uh, which is very difficult i think very difficult to unlearn um, it 's not saying that i haven 't unlearned it but it's uh, I think it 's far better if you 're going to get educated uh, in real medicine and science that you get your facts right the first time round. I know um, Dr. Pete, when he was studying had to overcome quite a lot of that bias while he was doing his PhD and I think he would speak to the fact that he just had to keep quiet half the time because um, it would not have boded well had he have spoken up perhaps. But anyway, so I wanted to start off the uh, show with a, uh, uh, a paragraph that I've kind of written to just introduce uh, the subject and then to introduce Dr. Pete uh, and then to uh, basically get into the substance of tonight's show. Uh, I wanted to say from the very beginning here that there's such a complex web of both ignorance, bias and deceit woven into medicine and its practice and evaluation Uh, from peer-pressured competitive education through to the brutal and exhausting residencies uh, that are the perfect breeding ground for the lack of a questioning scientific inquiry and acceptance of the status quo. In terms of medical practice, that it's no wonder progress has been slow and that the previously rational objective principles which it once stood on, has now given way to marketing and designer drugs for ever-increasing diagnoses. Couple this with a biological understanding that's no longer holistic, and it's a perfect storm. Advertising and marketing have probably been the most invasive elements of medicine and monopoly profits foster this arrangement superbly. Over the last ten years of doing these interviews with Dr. Pete time and time again, What I thought was grounded in science has been far from it and it's the reality of buyer beware. Do your own research, question and search and don't just take your doctor's word for it. They're under pressure to perform and within the standard medical protocols, not thinking outside the box as this is a surefire way to lose your license to practice as malpractice. So how do we get to this point? Uh, where it was initially first do no harm, and now iatrogenic death or disease is commonplace to the point research is biased. It's funded by powerful interests, it's doing more harm than good, and it's supported by government. So, before we take a look at some examples in which stunning misconceptions are rapidly repeated as truth amongst the population, let me introduce Dr. Raymond Pete. Dr. Pete, you there? Yes. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us again, as you have been doing for a long time now. Um, For those people who perhaps have not heard the shows before or even heard you, uh, would you give an outline of your academic and professional background?
1: Um, I I was um, a school teacher in several different subjects. First, I taught uh, college, uh, happened to be uh, uh, introduced, uh, uh, introductory uh, physics for biology majors was my first college course that I taught, but along with uh, several other courses, including uh, art uh, uh, theory theory and appreciation and uh, introduction to computers and different things but uh,
0: spoke a little bit at the very beginning here to the uh, uh, whilst you were going through your education probably on numerous occasions you you've come across research papers suggesting something quite the opposite of what was being pushed and or what your um, dissertation would have or should have contained perhaps that's an interesting uh, Uh, another point there.
1: For for example uh, I uh, my thesis professor uh, Soderwal asked me uh, how my work was going, and I said, uh, it was looking like the older animals uh, had more intense respiration in their uterus, uh, which would be the same as increased estrogen, and he said, oh, that's interesting, Uh, carry on, (laughs) and uh, other professors would have said, wait, uh, that's contrary to the textbook, stop and do something else. Uh, uh, in fact, I had, I had watched professors in other departments say, Oh, uh, you, you have to uh, find something that is going to be consistent with our project here.
0: Right. How, how often was that the case, perhaps, where you'd come up with some information or uh, a, some, some evidence of uh,
1: counter? Um... In, in this, this department, uh, sort of all in reproductive physiology. He was on the female reproductive physiology uh-huh. side. He accepted anything we came up with. <laughs> uh, but hey. even the, the male reproductive side, they were old, uh, foggy professors that insist- insisted on not departing from the textbook.
0: Right. There you go. That's, I think that's probably what I was expecting to hear, but in terms of uh, maintaining their egos and all the... "Quote unquote hard work they did to get where they were." Um,
1: yeah, I, I think the reason for that was was the reproductive, female reproductive physiology was the low, uh, low rank on the totem pole uh-huh. of the sciences. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Well, it's, it's probably a, a very uh, pivotal point at this point in time. Okay, I wanted to say to you also that uh, you know, you've know you repeated this quote quite a few times that uh, a lie spreads around the world fast and truth can get its shoelace, it shoelaces. And um, when this lie is promulgated by big pharma and big advertising, the FDA, as well as the government, there's little, opp- little opposition. And it, it seems so often that the lie is so massive and the deception is so apparently clear when you look in the right direction that until it's challenged. Uh, people accept it as fact and i know we've gone through this again and i hope it i hope it doesn't bore you and the reason i want to ask about some of these questions as related to your newsletter is that i think i myself i think i'd be the first to raise my hand and say that i think the initial education uh, does such a good job at brainwashing you in a certain direction and everything you read Everything you see everything you hear by most people recapitulating these lies that they don 't know any better about is very it, it, it makes a very kind of uh, very strong fortress that you have to break through in terms of i know that you've practiced this a lot and uh, since i've been working with you and sarah's been working with you uh, i've seen definite positive changes in the way that you apply the science of what you've been talking about on the radio shows here with progesterone and pregnenolone, um using thyroid aspirin uh, and the other compounds that you're talking about as being um, energy saving not energy wasting Uh, and anti-estrogenic. And and all of these things have just flown in the face of everything that um, I would have been taught, which was current medical model, uh, and which has still to this day been taught, and which big pharma and advertising continue to push. And so uh, the question of the serotonins and the reuptake inhibitors was something I wanted to visit again. And uh, and obviously, if people are listening, um, great because you're hearing it right now, but obviously the radio shows are archived. Uh, people have put them up on YouTube, uh, they're on our website, although I've got a backlog of the best part of a year and a half that I need to uh, put up. But that people need to hear it time and time again, because otherwise it's just swept under the carpet, and tomorrow you'll hear how good SSRIs are, or you'll look at the TV. at well, not that we have a TV, but people that are watching TV seeing these adverts for these drugs and oh it's just normal oh you take an ssri if you're depressed and so um i wanted to basically get you to go through uh, serotonin and the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors to get an idea this kind of ideology that they're pushing Um, because the fact is it's not the way it is and so I think people really need to hear this, and this, as well as a few other substances that uh, we'll cover in the show, just want to make it very clear for people what these things are, and <laughs> so they get prescribed them. They need to know ahead of time what they're dealing with. Um, so, yeah, the archives are there, and I've, I've often said these shows will stand as a kind of testimony over time to your work and understanding. So... Uh, Would you please explain what we're told about serotonin first? I mean, how they say, oh, it's the happy hormone, and how they get away with that, um, and how we're told it's useful, um, and then go through the misconceptions of it being a happy drug and then explain what you know and understand about its activity to make it very clear for people to know what it is they're dealing with.
1: I have looked at that recently on some of the best-known medical websites on the Internet, and they're still... Basically, saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, no one has looked at the critical information, uh, in, at least in a very public spot on the internet. And uh, it, when it was when serotonin was identified chemically as something in the body, it, it was seen to contract, constrict uh, smooth muscles. Uh, in, in first the intestine, uh, then blood vessels, the uterus and then it was uh, discovered uh, to exist in the brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the first several years, up into the mid and late 60s, people were still looking at the actual research and they would look for uh, things that worked with it or antagonized it. Mm -hmm. And they saw that uh, things like the uh, Ergot family, LSD Mm -hmm. and related things, uh, w- we're able to block it uh, prevent the actions of constricting muscles in all of the known tissues.
0: But by blocking uh, serotonin, you're saying?
1: Uh, yeah, blocking yeah. The, the, the nerves, the, the main nerves that produce serotonin okay. Are, okay. are just turned off by LSD and, yeah. and uh, uh, psilocybin and yeah. uh, the, the best, best known psychedelics. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, the uh, As that was being known in the 1960s, the government was also coming out and uh, uh, starting to uh, criminalize uh, the psychedelic chemicals, uh, which were uh, in in the news repeatedly as anti-serotonin agents. And when the government uh, criminalized these, uh, the the drug companies were starting to... uh, that they could form the basis of uh, drug products. And uh, uh, it was in their interest uh, to say that those evil, illegal drugs are anti-serotonin. And uh, naturally, they they make you insane and and, uh, kill you and so on. uh, Because uh, the good stuff which makes you sane is serotonin wow. and that, that created a, a foundation of public opinion to, uh, to build the whole, uh, whole myth on uh, the, the same way uh, the government puts out uh, stories politically and and uh, economically and such to, to create a background of belief mm-hmm. uh, in which future events uh, can be a backed up. Uh, So the government has been creating political myths. The chemical companies uh, use the government to support their uh, economic uh, sales myths.
0: And protect the companies, no doubt.
1: Uh, uh, Yeah. uh, To some degree, for sure. The companies are supposedly defending the the healthy, sane parts of the organism and and the uh, psychedelic Uh, People uh, are threatening the sanity of of the population. Uh, And so uh, that that implies if if you go crazy when you take uh, an anti-serotonin agent, then what you need is uh, some products to (laughs) increase your serotonin.
0: so, what? Uh, t- tell me what you know about the uh, harmful effects of serotonin, because obviously these things. Uh, the, the, we'll talk about the SSRI's, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, just after. Um, but what do you know about serotonin, and uh, why you don't want to be exposed to it, you and you why you don't want it lingering longer?
1: Yeah, the animal research uh, has the advantage that they can uh, take uh, fluids. For, from anywhere in the animal or grind up its brain and extract, uh, see what's actually in there where you can't grind up a person's right. tissues. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you stress an animal, uh, injure it in horrible ways, suffocate it, for example, uh, uh, you, you will increase some of the stress hormones, cortisol, estrogen, and serotonin. Our chronic stress increases. Uh, uh, serotonin in the brain as well as uh, several other tissues. Uh, If you make an animal unusually happy, uh, uh, comparing uh, an average uh, lab animal or or one which has been tortured deliberately or one which has been put in a, a big... Uh, vacation uh, space with uh, entertaining things yep. to do. The, the one that is su- suffering uh, from uh, all kinds of mistreatment will have high cortisol and, and lower ad- adrenaline usually. Uh, uh, high high uh, the, the cortisol is driven up by the corticotropic release hormone which is activated primarily by serotonin. So serotonin, uh, in triggering the the stress hormones, rises itself. And so in these uh, uh, miserable animals, their serotonin is higher. The happiest animals have the the lowest serotonin, uh, as well as lower acetylcholine uh, and uh, uh, generally a little higher adrenaline. Uh, they're very alert, learn very well, uh, and uh, have a very low serotonin. Uh, the, um, if you give these exactly the same chemicals that you are giving uh, starting to increasingly young kids, if you give SSRIs to uh, adolescent hamsters, for example, they become vicious and, and right. aggressive.
0: To oh. be, uh, do we, do do you understand the mechanism by which this uh, <coughs> uh, the increased serotonin would cause the aggression? What what system that would uh, be no. pr- uh, supporting?
1: I, I don't think anyone does. Right. There are lots right. of.
0: All right, but aggression is definitely associated with increased serotonin.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, uh, there are lots of situations. Uh, uh, different parts of the brain will will uh, show up different amounts, but uh, in general, uh, the, the uh, uh, you you can suppress the aggression by uh, giving them a hopeless kind of stress.
0: Okay, well, like the inescapable stress that you've mentioned in the past. Yeah,
1: yeah the the hopeless, helpless stress right. uh, is. Serotonin seems to be the crucial, the crucial thing for uh, putting that into effect, and anti-serotonin drugs uh, are being—they're starting to be used as antidepressants, but but they have been used to cure learned helplessness and so on.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's that—that's in, in a nutshell what we just said, just in that last sentence that the uh, anti-serotonin drugs are being used.
1: Yeah, about. As- Thirty-five or forty years ago, a psychiatrist, psychologist, C.R. Cloninger, uh, uh, was defining personality types and relating people to, to animal studies. He was proposing that uh, higher serotonin uh, in the process of make, making people uh, more depressed or anxious or aggressive uh, what the, the type of personality uh, promoted by that was harm avoidance, huh. uh, and uh, r- rather than uh, creative activity, uh, the animals uh, uh, figured was out different different ways to avoid being hurt, fearful, right, you're, right. You're anxious, and so uh-huh. on.
0: Now, isn't uh, isn't suicide uh, increased? Uh, as part of the kind of disclaimer literature in SSRI
1: Uh, pamphlets. Yeah, looking at the brains of people who commit suicide, they have found uh, several different kinds of uh, support for the idea that they were suffering from uh, excess serotonin production.
0: Okay. All right, you're listening to Ask Your Herb, Dr. K. M.D. Galbaville, 91.1 FM, from 7.30 to the end of the show at 8 o'clock, uh, you're invited to call in. With any questions, uh, the local number here 9233911. 923-3911. Uh, the area code is 707, so that's 7079233911. 923 uh, Or you can use an 800 number. That's still in effect, is it, the 800 number? I'm not sure. Okay, all right. Well, the 800 number is 800-KMUD-RAD, which is one eight hundred five six eight three seven two three. But if you just dial 707 uh, you'll get here from anywhere. Yeah, and that way you pay the bill instead of us because <laughs> okay, well, we didn't quite go. make our pledge. All so. right, there you go. Oh, look out. Okay. Um, and
2: I wanted to remind our international listeners, please do hit the Donate Now button because I know a bunch of you just tuned in and you missed our pledge drive because it was at the wrong spot and I'm, I know we have a bunch of regulars. So all right. thank
0: you for listening. Good, good. Okay, um, so Dr. Pete. Oh, um,
1: I, I wanted yeah. to mention that... Um, Fifty years after he and his partner uh, defined the, the famous experiments uh, for learned helplessness, uh, he and his his partner uh, revised their theory and, and decided that it was in humans too caused by uh, in, increased serotonin. Originally, they had suggested it might be the loss of serotonin, but they have changed their minds now.
0: And then, and then again, the kind of uh, other misconception that people have—that serotonin and melatonin are just happy chemicals—and that we need more of it—and so why why is it we're just so brainwashed into into? Yeah, st-
1: especially when the people who really have defined <laughs> the the context for current discussion have changed their minds.
0: Okay. Okay. So I wanted to talk a, a little bit now about um, mono, monoamine oxidase and uh, again this in conjunction with uh, serotonin uh, so it's it's a, most people have heard of maos and maois uh, the monoamine oxidase and the monoamine oxidase inhibitors uh, again this has been completely deranged in terms of what's actually happening with it um, but monoamine oxidase, and it does actually break down serotonin. That is truthful enough. They haven't; uh, that's not been altered. Um, and we have these uh, medications, MAOIs, the monoamine oxidase inhibitors, to prevent the breakdown and increase the levels uh, of serotonin available. Um, they're also marketed um, for improving uh, other monoamines like dopamine and norepinephrine, um, saying that these can increase as low levels are implicated in depression. Um, What do you think about low levels of these monoamines, uh, other monoamines like dopamine and norepinephrine in depression? You've already mentioned the animal experiments with the uh, more attentive uh, uh, hamsters or whatever rodent that was that was uh, uh, used.
1: When they all come up together, things tend to stay more in balance when you have adrenaline or epinephrine. Uh, dopamine, uh, acetylcholine, uh, uh, all all coming up at the same time.
0: But, okay, now, now wouldn't uh, wouldn't you suggest that um, anti-serotonin drugs would be useful?
1: Uh, uh, they are for Parkinson's. Uh, being used for uh, uh, all of the things now known to be promoted by serotonin. Uh, uh, there there are uh, anti-serotonin products starting to be. Uh, studied and recommended uh, against cancer, arthritis, autoimmune diseases, yeah. depression, yeah. Uh, psychosis. Uh,
0: I wonder how how is it that oh, we go
1: l- lung disease especially. Go on.
0: Yeah, so I wonder how how is we go three or four decades under this complete farce and people suffer and or die, uh, and then four decades later, it's it's, it's just what you've mentioned about a lie getting around the world faster than truth can tie their shoelaces, because uh, it's only really been in the last couple of years that there's been a pushback against polyunsaturates and actually some studies showing how beneficial saturated fats are. I, and
1: I think there's a historical rule <laughs> that every stupid medical idea lasts about 50 years.
0: And again, I can't help but thinking it's the it's just a brutal egotistical education that doctors go through and that they come out the other side of it thinking that they've just they've got a handle on it and they're not going to listen or or read anything else and this is what they're going to prescribe because science has got it right and the drugs that they've got in their hands are indicated for the disease and it's standard medical practice and next okay a local caller
2: got it in five words how does psilocybin fit in
0: okay so Dr. Pete you mentioned uh, first off the ergotamines uh, or the LSD psilocybin uh, being used as anti-serotonins so I think
1: uh, uh, yeah uh, psilocybin I, I think works very similarly to LSD on suppressing the serotonin nerves uh, some of the others uh, uh, there is a little overlap with the amphetamine derivatives uh, and uh Mescaline I don't know that much about, uh, but uh, it doesn't work exactly on those same nerves.
0: I'm pretty sure I read that Colorado or one of those states there had legalized um, psilocybin and um, other hallucinogens as part of of parcel, a bit like uh, the 215 was here 15, 20 years ago, started as a kind of treatment for various different, medical problems that people could get a certificate for so that's interesting if that's uh, if that c- comes around because like you said all the initial research into lsd and, and psilocybin was probably going in a pretty good direction until it was scuppered by the uh, serotonin industry
1: yeah they were they were seeing good results in treating alcoholism and depression and uh, a lot of psychiatric things
0: yeah um when do you think serotonin would be useful? I mean, because I know we produce it ourselves, so it's got to have some uh, some activity that you could quote unquote call useful. But is there any instances where you think serotonin is <laughs> useful?
1: Um, I, th- I think the place it, it operates it is uh, so at the heart of things uh, that it's best to uh, let it develop under its own rules. Hmm. For example, uh, the um, tryptophan, which is turned into serotonin, uh, it has a resonant uh, aromatic electron system, which is very responsive to uh, light, uh, electromagnetic energy, and oxidation reduction. And uh, this is in practically all proteins, this amino acid. And so those proteins intrinsically have their electronic uniqueness, which makes them uh, responsive to to the uh, uh, interaction with with other molecules. It lets the whole molecule uh, have the possibility of uh, resonantly interacting with its environment. Uh, So it's sort of like the the nerve center of each protein molecule Uh, and uh, the um, structure of uh, uh, most cells, every every cell in in some condition uh, is built uh, on and uh, uses to move uh, the uh, uh, micro uh, trabecular, micro architecture of the cell, uh, a framework of filaments and Tubes that uh, give the cell cell stiffness and movement. And and, uh, uh, these are uh, increasingly being thought to be uh, electronically uh, or uh, reductively uh, interactive uh, with mobile electrons, uh, uh, giving the tube a special uh, uh, function in the structure, not just stiffness, but also electronic uh, interactions across the whole cell simultaneously. So again, it's it's like uh, the nerve system in a protein is tryptophaned nerve system, and the cell is the microtubules containing these proteins, and serotonin acts on these uh, uh, responsive uh, proteins and microtubules and other systems in the cell uh, with a special interaction. So serotonin can uh, stop the uh, polymerization of uh, of the microstructure of a cell, can interrupt it so that it can uh, uh, start de-differentiating uh, and getting ready to divide. Uh, and when uh, something is, is uh, uh, so... Basic to the to the existence of a cell, I, I think it's the the worst thing you can do to uh, try to intervene uh, by giving a pill <laughs> right. to, to someone. Yeah, uh, it, it's like uh, 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 trying uh, if you have an electric motor, uh, trying to pour uh, uh, tar into it f- uh, for fuel or, or gasoline.
0: Yeah, or giving it lightning to try and make it work when all it needs is a. <laughs> a one hundred and twenty volt system. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. We do actually have uh, a bunch of callers lined up, so let's start taking these callers and see where they go. So, caller, you're on the air. Uh, what's your question, and where are you from?
3: Uh, I'm from New York. Can you
0: guys hear me? I say that again. Yeah, I lost the first part of that.
3: Uh, I'm from New York.
0: New York. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show. What's your question?
3: Uh, yes. Uh, so this is uh, for Pete. Uh, basically, you know, I was. Have- physically active on table 50 when uh, at that point I got a swelling on my ankle and the doctor diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. uh, then, I, then I, when I read more about that in the internet, um, uh, you know, the, it, look, it looks like hundreds of conditions have this, uh, you know, the called RA. Uh, and then they seem to treat everybody pretty much with the steroids. So, I mean, whether it's a previous case or a simple case, uh, they, it looks like they, they have the same kind of treatment. Uh, I don't mind, you know, I don't feel that crazy, but, but uh, you know, the doctor are diagnosed already. Uh, does Dr. Pete have any um, ideas, there, suggestions?
0: Doctor Pete, did you? I've got a lot of feedback on my end here, and I couldn't really make out a lot of what he was saying. Did you I, catch I that? Couldn't,
1: I couldn't either. No.
0: Rheumatoid arthritis is what I had heard Yeah, of I heard that. But what ankle. was? Uh, yeah, but was he was he looking for your approach to rheumatoid arthritis, caller? Was that what you wanted?
3: Oh no, no. So I'm just saying, uh, mine seems to me uh, based on the pain and and, and, and things like that is so less severe compared to some other real. Uh, you know, RA symptoms, and, uh, but still, the doctors say that, you know, the, the treatment is pretty much the same with the steroids and things like that. Okay. So, it, it's like hundreds of conditions of RA, they say, you know, it's just, uh, so, I, uh, so how are they able to suppose, you know, diagnose anything as an RA and then... You give the same kind of communication, whether it's severe, less severe, or uh, uh, simple cases.
0: So this Thank is God. about the differential diagnosis for rheumatoid? Or? or I think that he
2: thinks he has a very mild uh, case of the rheumatoid and doesn't want to do the, the really
0: right. intense intervention. So Dr. Pete, what what, uh, I, I know you've got a different idea uh, and uh, intuition about rheumatoid. Not intuition, it's based in science, but it's, uh, how would you approach rheumatoid arthritis?
1: Um, I, I've seen several people. It uh, seems like every couple of years I, I run across one. Uh, and uh, their doctors uh, have all told them that they're incurable and and just stop thinking about it apparently. Uh, they don't want to, uh, at, at first they don't want to uh, uh, hear criticism. Uh, doctors uh, sometimes are telling them uh, to take estrogen even. Uh, but uh, always uh, uh, glucocorticoid is, is part of the treatment. Mm-hmm but uh, uh, I think if you find out what's causing it, uh, sometimes you you just discover that uh, the easiest thing is to uh, realize that maybe you didn't have uh, that diagnosis in the first place. Uh, The foods that that you're eating or or supplements you're taking, or or especially if you're taking uh, a serotonin or an estrogen drug, uh, those are enough to bring it on.
0: So we, uh, we still believe in the uh, uh, the inflammatory process uh, mediating uh, swollen joints and uh, the, the presence of rheumatoid factor in the blood. Is do you think that's uh, uh, definitely uh, a differential? Uh, 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 no, no, it
1: it, <laughs> it will go away if right. you <laughs> don't have it anymore. Same with lupus. Right. Uh, another person with lupus recently uh, uh, stopped uh, thinking she had lupus and and just started uh, correcting her, her diet and uh, taking taking vitamin d and and thyroid
0: i i and I, if the caller was asking for this i i know that in terms of uh, uh, traditional uh, herbal medicine for the treatment of rheumatoid uh, excretion is definitely uh, a system to be supported and strengthened uh, as is uh things that support the liver because of the excretion Um, so basic uh, basic things like uh, celery seed and devil's claw have totally been used uh, as anti-inflammatories i think mainly Uh, and then any of the kind of uh, uh, waste clearing products like uh, burdock or yellow dock uh, to aid in either bile production and metabolism as well as uh, to improve the laxative effect i think there's definitely uh, definitely mileage uh, in clearing waste and um, the anti-inflammatories. Um,
1: but uh, just avoiding some of the foods that have been uh, causing intestinal inflammation, yeah. I think, is yeah. uh, is the first thing to, to look look through your diet and see uh, what things might be hard to digest or might be uh, leaving something inflammatory. And uh, using a, a regular fibrous food in the diet uh, sometimes is enough to. Uh, tremendously reduce inflammation
0: yeah. there you go yeah because you're a, a complete proponent of bowels being the seat of your health and so uh, improving your intestinal health will decrease endotoxin etc okay so let's take the uh, next call to make sure we get through these two before we carry on with tonight's discussion caller you're on the air and where are you from hopefully there's no feedback
3: hi i'm from the san francisco bay area
0: oh hi what's your question
3: My dad recently had a health scare where he was on vacation at high altitude and he experienced shortness of breath, excessive coughing, blood in his phlegm, and feeling tired. In a hospital, a doctor at the hospital took his blood work and diagnosed him as having a heart attack, and after more
1: blood work, like a day later, a CT scan and further assessment, they said he just had pneumonia and they um, said it was not a heart attack, but I wish we could have avoided the harmful effects of the CT scan and just got the diagnosis of pneumonia first.
3: So my question is, how can you diagnose cardiovascular disease in a safe way without resorting to a CT scan or angiogram? Basically, what's the ideal way to diagnose cardiovascular disease?
1: Yeah, Dr. I, I think the f- first thing a person notices is that they're, they're having trouble uh, doing their usual uh, energetic activities. Uh, there's something going wrong with their circulatory system
0: and then uh, would you would you be thinking uh, along the lines i mean a typical model would be uh, stress induced pain exercise induced pain um, for angina for sure and in terms of uh, functional stable or unstable angina um, yeah, I find that kind of strange that they uh, would put down to um, the event as a heart attack. There, there are certain enzymes that are leaked by cardiac muscle in response to uh, that ischemia. That's uh, the result of heart attacks. So, what are they, how reliable do you think those enzymes are as a marker?
1: Somewhat, but uh, I, I wouldn't trust them in myself. Right. Okay. Uh, the uh, the there, there are a couple types of enzymes. One is a particular heart protein. Right. Uh, you can trust that. But uh, just stress and exertion, uh, the, the same way that you can uh, damage a muscle uh, by uh, uh, running uh, too, too far or too fast uphill or such, uh, uh, overexertion uh, And so uh, if your energy supply is low, uh, if you're uh, hy- hypoglycemic and uh, running on, on fat, and uh, stored energy, Uh, exertion uh, can uh, damage any muscle, including your heart muscle, uh, just by extreme overexertion. So if if it's just uh, somewhat borderline evidence of a heart attack, uh, uh, you wouldn't necessarily uh, do anything more than take good care of yourself.
0: And i know I, I want to ask you this question for myself i'm just uh, uh curious as to your uh, response, but uh, one of the first things that they'll want to do i imagine uh, you know I'm not a medical doctor but I imagine they'll want to do um, a uh, examination of the vasculature of the heart and inject dyes and have you give you an angiogram and uh, what do you what do you think about the components of the dye and or any Uh, risk associated with angiograms?
1: If you're not sure that your heart has been slightly injured just because uh, you have a a slightly uh, different feeling when you get a a chemical injected into your heart and then uh, uh, especially if you exercise with that uh, chemical in your heart uh, the chemical itself is going to irritate uh, things and, and cause some uh, damage, so it, it isn't uh, uh, an entirely uh, free and safe uh, thing to do. Right. You have to r- really suspect that there's something to look for, and then what are you going to do if you find it? Right,
0: right. Because uh, I, I mean, stents or bypass artery grafting is uh, uh, current
1: for for about thirty or forty years now. Uh, there has been the they call it magic M A G I K, standing for magnesium, glucose, uh, insulin, and potassium, uh, which they give to uh, someone, uh, uh, if possible, uh, at the very beginning of a heart attack. But at, at any point, it, it accelerates the healing of heart. The The glucose uh, lowers, the, both the glucose and the insulin lower the free fatty acids, which are a major damaging uh, factor in causing a heart attack and and that will uh, actually be made worse by the the dye examination Uh, but uh, this treatment they give is a simple injection of uh, magnesium, uh, potassium uh,
0: uh, uh, Glucose and insulin?
1: uh, Yeah, Yeah. insulin Interesting Uh, the, Uh, the, uh, The glucose Uh, It itself helps helps to uh, reduce the stress. The insulin helps to lower the fatty acids and let the heart use the glucose. Uh, And uh, both of those help the the cells to take up the potassium and magnesium they need to restore their energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a a small amount of of, uh, orange juice or or sugar uh, with the, the active T3 hormone has been used the same way. Uh, the T3 uh, is anabolic like insulin helps the cell to take up both the magnesium and potassium
0: I just wanted to also say from an uh, herbal medicine perspective that in Germany uh, they have published quite a few papers supporting um, hawthorn extract uh, and they said in their papers that if a patient is administered hawthorn extract within 12 hours uh, of a myocardial infarct it significantly decreases Uh, the ischemic damage and so i think there's a uh, a rational use for anti uh, antioxidant uh, anthocyanins that are contained in the product for heart attack but uh, i just want to make sure people are aware of that that's actual uh, reality Uh, good research from germany okay i think we have two more calls on the line uh let's take the next call a call away from what's your question Hi
2: there. Have you got me? Yes. What's Hi your... there. I'm from the Garberville area. Thank you very much for the call, for the show. Uh, a while ago, you were speaking about serotonin and anti-serotonin compounds, for the lack of a better word, yeah. there were have been used in a psychiatric sense. And my father battled his entire life, as far as I know, and had multiple diagnoses. And um, I remember clearly Haldol and Thorazine, and I may be just asking inappropriately, but were the, uh, were, was the action of those antipsychotics similar to uh, the uh, uh, antidepressant uh, action that you were speaking of? Was there uh, 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 an yes, improper right. use of these compounds 30, 40 years ago? Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, one, One second. Yes. Thorazine and
2: Haldol. I remember Haldol as okay. being an antipsychotic. I was, you know... Yeah. A teenager and sure. was helping him, so I may not have mis- uh, yeah. remembered the name correctly.
0: Do you, do, Doctor Pete? Do you uh, have much to um, say about Thorazine and/or Haldol? I'd not heard of Halldor. Heard of Thorazine, but
1: um, I, I uh, have the impression that uh, that uh, Haldol, uh, was a, a, a danger to to that system, but. I'm not sure about Thorazine. I I think the main problem with that was that it was uh, given in such large amounts that uh, people lost functioning. Indeed.
0: But it was a supposed antidepressant, right? uh,
1: Or antipsychotic.
0: Antipsychotic,
1: yeah. I I think mostly it just quieted people down. Uh, Ah. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, we have uh, another call. So let's get this next (laughs) caller. Uh, Caller, you are on the air. Where are you from? What's your question?
2: Hi, I'm from Utah. Um, Utah. Andrew. Hi, Dr. Pete. Dr. Pete, uh, I was wondering why you choose to live in Oregon as opposed to someplace like New Mexico with a lot of sun, highly elevated,
1: possibly clean air. Thanks. Oh, uh, definitely not for health, but uh, (laughs) it was the location of of the University of Oregon library. Uh, I lived close enough to it that I could walk to the library regularly and uh, uh, in, in Los Angeles for example, uh, there was no way to get to a big library uh, simply
0: There we go, okay That's okay. it. Okay, thank yeah. you Simple answer. I know, uh, I know you've been asked that before, for sure. I've even thought it myself and asked you. <laughs> okay. All right. So the number here, if you're in the area or out of the area or anywhere else, uh, 707-923-3911. Uh, and then from now until uh, about five to the hour here, the next five minutes, uh, you're invited to call in with any questions related or unrelated to uh, this week's discussion of what we're told is the truth, but actually what the science uh, shows us. I was going to uh, actually ask you about um, the next thing that is a mistaken belief. Oh, and there goes the light. So rather than me, let's get the next question in. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Uh, and there's one more coming in. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Uh, where are you from? What's your question?
3: Uh, my question is: I'm from uh, Arcata. Okay. and my question is uh, is
2: um, maybe a little pep talk on Skillful. For- Illful eating for
1: diabetics.
0: <laughs> All oh, right, you want a pep talk for... Um, <laughs> e- <laughs> okay. Well, Dr. P, I know that you're going to have a very different answer to the uh, medical um, <laughs> the medical elective. Uh, in terms of a diabetic and their, uh, and their diet, what would you speak to it?
1: Well, avoiding <laughs> serotonin, promoting drugs is one thing, because that's a factor in, in creating... Uh, diabetes uh, as well as the other things it does. Uh, But uh, uh, my experience with diabetes started with my father uh, having uh, a diagnosis of extreme diabetes of the classical kind in which he had lost about 50 pounds of weight and wasn't very big to start with, Uh, and uh, uh, by uh, looking at the old literature, medical literature from beginning of the century uh, that they found that uh, uh, eating certain foods in his case it was uh, uh, primarily brewer's yeast Uh, but uh, he totally cured himself, lived uh, about uh, 35 years after that Uh, and uh, uh, that got me interested uh, and I read that uh, in in uh, the 19th century England and France, there were two doctors who absolutely cured uh, the, the mortally sick, uh, very, very profoundly diabetic people by letting them, uh, first they thought they were just going to uh, let them die happy by not uh, starving them for sweets, but they let them eat as much sugar as they wanted uh, and that happened to be almost a pound of sugar a day, uh, and instead of dying, uh, uh, over a period of several days, uh, the uh, conversion of protein to sugar decreased, and finally stopped, and they recovered.
0: They stopped wasting.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what they had done was broken the pattern of stress, uh, simply by uh, letting them follow their, their appetites. And uh, uh, that led uh, to uh, investigating what actually is the cause of diabetes. Not eating sugar for sure. Uh, sugar, uh, the, the beta cells that make insulin are always regenerating, and sugar promotes that regeneration and supports it. If you don't have sugar, uh, they they can be created as uh, insulin producing cells but then die and it's the free fatty acids which are killing the beta cells constantly
0: right because if you don't have enough sugar you break your muscle tissue down you generate free fatty acids in an attempt to raise glucose
1: Uh, so uh, there is animal research that uh, really pretty well explains it but doctors don't want to listen to that
0: well, there's the, there's the whole uh, medical malpractice thing that they are under because they're not following standard medical procedure because that's not uh, that's not not the way forward for them. Okay, well, let's take this next caller because we do have one more caller on the end. Let's get this uh, question. Where are you from, caller? What's your question? Hi, I'm from
2: Texas, and my question is: Besides altitude, is there any is there any other characteristic that affects thyroid function? So for Uh, I actually heard population density is associated with serotonin levels. Like that, is there any other
1: characteristic of a location that affects thyroid? Dr. Pete, did you get that? Uh, Not not all of it, but um, living situation, how it affects thyroid.
0: Uh, Also, what was the the first thing you said, caller?
1: So,
2: uh, I know altitude for a location affects thyroid function. Is there anything else... uh, any other characteristics of locations like total rainfall or or just some other metric that is related to thyroid function
0: yeah is there there anything that you know uh that positively stimulates thyroid function whether maybe the sunlight or we've mentioned altitude or co2 uh in in certain geographical locations that would be positively beneficial uh or um improving thyroid function
1: well avoiding uh, very long winters is important because of the stress uh, of the long nights. But uh, I, I think altitude is very important because the high oxygen pressure at sea level uh, is constantly creating stress in itself, a uh, 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 random uh, tendency to um, o- oxidize fats spontaneously, which uh, disappears uh, at, at a higher altitude. When you find the right altitude for your particular adaptation, uh, then you're able to uh, retain uh, the right amount of carbon dioxide so that uh, oxidative processes uh, run more smoothly without stress.
0: Okay. Well, listen, We've actu- uh, thank you for that, Dr. P. Uh, we've only got a few minutes here to the top of the hour. And Uh, The engineer says that there's an easy question here that was called in, so let's just get this one. uh, And it's five words. Does acetaminophen impact steroid production? Uh, It definitely impacts the liver, but does acetaminophen impact steroid function?
1: Uh, Nothing that occurs to me right now. But but, uh, through damage to your liver, uh, it undoubtedly will. Undoubtedly, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, well thank you very much again Dr. Pete for giving your time and, uh, I'll spend the next couple of minutes letting people know how they can reach you and or read about your work.
2: Okay. Okay, thank, thank you.
0: you. Okay, so for those people who called in tonight, thank you. Uh, for those people that listened and didn't call in, thank you for listening. Uh, the shows are archived, uh, on Kmud's website. So if you go to, uh, the audio archives, uh, you can look at Friday Night Talk. Every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 pm is the show that we're on, although they only keep the archives for two months, I think, or 90 days. Uh, they used to keep it for a long, long time, but they only keep it for th- three months. Um, anyway, so a lot of the uh, radio shows that we've done with Dr. Pete over the last 10 years are on our website, which is www.westernbotanicalmedicine.com on the resources tab in the right top corner. Uh, drop that down. Uh, all of the shows that we've done up until 2017, at the end of 2017 are there. I've got 18s and 19s to go up, just, um, haven't done it at this point in time. Uh, and there's a lot of the radio shows that have been put on YouTube. Um, so there's a resource out there and Dr. Pete, who's the creator of all of the content, folks, and, uh, there's another moot point here in terms of copyright, uh, and it being put up on YouTube without our permission. Um, The actual information is Dr. Pete's own original work, so he has uh, copyright on that work. His website is uh, www.raypete.com, and he's got lots of articles that he's written over the years that are fully referenced, uh, extensive scientific articles, and his knowledge and wisdom has been poured into them, Uh, just like these radio shows, uh, there for the future Uh, generations and for the truth to bear out what he's been saying all this time until the uh, third friday of october uh happy fall